Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? It is a prophetic look at what will happen in the end times. Join us. Truth For Today is coming up next. The ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today. Hi there. Welcome to the program. We are in the middle of our series, What in the World is Going to Happen? It's a look at some prophecy that gives us a glimpse into what will happen in the future. One of the things that we're looking at today is that of the greatest human deceiver ever to live. And that's where we find ourselves today as we finish out a message we began last week. Won't you join us? And then stick around. At the close of the program, we've got information about a a matching grant that has been gifted to us. And we'd like to tell you how you can be a part of that matching grant as you partner with us financially. For now, here's Pastor Phil. Daniel 9, 27. Something abominable will happen in a temple site where people gather to worship. And the only analogy we use in history is Antiochus Epiphanes during the Maccabean Revolt. 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, when they slaughtered a pig on a Jewish altar and offered pig to Yahweh and served uh, pork on the temple steps and desecrated it, abominable, and they used that language. It was an abominable thing that desolated the temple place. In the future, Antichrist, will do this abominable act of declaring himself in the sacred temple as God. And at that time, every Jew that fears God is told to flee Jerusalem. And women who are nursing are warned, it will be hard on you. Get out of town. This guy is going to kill you. And they start fleeing. And God hides a remnant of Jews over in the east of the Dead Sea And he hides them from the destruction of this Antichrist person. Hides them in the area of Petra that's in the land of Jordan. Because this Antichrist will hate the Jew with an anti-Semitism born of the dragon. Revelation 12 says he hovers over the woman who gave birth to the child. And the woman is Israel. Jews aren't any better than us. They're going to hell just like us if they don't know Christ. And you can be as pagan as a Jew as anybody else. But it is satanic to have a special hatred for them. It's satanic. Because the word of God came through them. The Messiah came through them. And you must know there is a satanic breed of... uh, I hate it for them. And everything they do in Israel today isn't right. They can be as wrong. They went back to the land in unbelief. They're not back there as believers. There's more atheists in Israel, I'm told, than any place on the planet. So they could be a mean group to deal with. But it is satanic to hate them for their ethnicity. I think it's satanic really to hate anybody for their ethnicity. But there's something that this dragon will do to kill off this remnant of Jews, this 144,000 that uh, show me anywhere in history people have successfully hated Jews. 
God's judgment. Do not. And they paid a price for rejecting Messiah. But in the future, they will be hunted again. And he warns them in Scripture, flee, get away. You're in danger. And all those Gentiles who believe their message to believe in Christ, they too will be in danger and they too will be slaughtered. Because what's this beast going to do? He can exercise authority for 42 months. He opens his mouth to blaspheme God, to speak evil of him, to slander his name and his dwelling place. Now, where does God dwell? In that temple area again. And those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints. Now, when you see the word saints, that doesn't mean church. It just means believers. And I think these are tribulation saints, not church saints. It might be some of the saints that were ain'ts when he came, and maybe it became saints. I don't know. But he makes war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. When you hear the language, there's a one world ruler coming. There's where it is. There's a one world ruler coming that will not be content to just rule. He must be worshipped. As the emperors of Rome wanted to be declared gods. So this is the world, one world ruler. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Now that's more than political. Schwarzenegger hasn't asked us to worship him yet. Huh? He hasn't, that's not, I've not seen any of the political boys do that yet. But there's one that will. I not only want to run you and rule you, I want you to worship me. On Sunday when you meet, you say, we come to bow down before George W. Imagine. Just think if we had a national leader who said, if you're going to stay alive in America, you must worship me as not only your president, but as your God. And this is going to happen to who? Every tribe. How many tribes are there? I don't know. But everyone will get the mandate some way. Probably some visual communication. People, language, and nation. Everybody who's alive on this planet is going to meet this guy eventually and be given this mandate. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He's got a front man called the false prophet who says, if you don't receive the mark of the beast, 666, and worship him, I'll see to it that you're killed. So we see what's coming on the Gentile world. And that's why I watch Europe. I watch the paper with Israel. I want to see if this guy is alive at this time. And he might be. If we were to be raptured tonight, there's not anything that doesn't say there could be a guy that makes a covenant with Israel and we start that 70th week. I don't know. It will start with a covenant. Is the covenant maker alive? All God has to do is lift the restraining influence of the Spirit, let Satan bring out his puppet man, strike a deal with Israel, and the prophetic clock will start ticking. And it will tick. 1260 days, first half of the week, break the covenant, 1260 days left to destroy everybody you can before Christ comes to the earth. 
And that's why it says in Revelation 12, he, Satan knows he's only got a little time. He's only got three and a half years to destroy the whole human race or to turn them into his followers. And he will work incredibly hard. So, let's look at our notes. First sentence, history is heading for a world leader who shall eventually dominate the earth and demand to be worshipped as God, not of God. I put down when you read in the Bible, Antichrist, you read in 1 John, and you've already got Antichrist. You've got Antichrist teachers. And this is what they taught. They denied the Father and the Son. They denied the Incarnation. Uh, They were present in apostolic times. And they're characterized by deception. But we're talking about a coming world ruler, a person who will be the incarnation, as it were, of Satan. That Satan will operate through him. And I just lift out of the Thessalonians Revelation passage. He'll be a man of sin, uh, a son of perdition. That is, son, when you use son, he partakes of the character of destruction. He will be destroyed. He's lawless. He's called the beast. His credentials, he will come with satanic power. He will deceive the many. He will persecute God's people. He will be energized by Satan. He will seek to be worshipped as God. And I understand the abomination that makes desolate is in the middle of this week, he declares himself to be God in the temple of God. And this is abominable. This will desolate the earth. I give you a biblical preview of his career. He is said to appear in the day of the Lord, and we're not in the day of the Lord, for the apostasy has not yet taken place on such a level as a ruler declaring himself to be God. That's why, I don't think it comes from this area, but that's why an Ayatollah would really fit the image. You know why? Because that region of the world is ruled by men who run theocracies. They say God is running Iran. He ran it through the Ayatollah Khomeini. I, I'm representing the true God. Now, I never did say he was a God. But I'm representing. That's a powerful form of leadership. When the leader is under this direct influence of God. Now what if you're able to say, I don't represent God. I am God. And I've got the army to back me up. That's the kind of um, thing that the Gentile world is facing. Uh, He appears in the latter days of Israel. Because of the covenant. His appearance will be preceded by a great falling away. And I give you the two primary views. He is being hindered right now by a restrainer. That I understand to be the spirit. He is a Gentile for he comes out of the sea of nations. He comes out of the Roman Empire because the prince that shall come. Comes out of the people who rule over Israel. And in Daniel 9, it was the Roman Empire was the last rulers over Israel. The ten-toed kingdom of Daniel. Daniel 2. His influence is worldwide, as we saw. He rules over the nations with absolute authority. Daniel 11, I believe, is a 
not Antiochus Epiphanes, but a foreview of this man. He makes this covenant with Israel. He introduces idolatrous worship with himself as God. He's energized by Satan. He will be received by the people of the earth as God, as we see in 2 Thessalonians, because of their blindness. He will turn on Israel and persecute them. He will be at war with the kings of the south, east and the north, and he will plant his headquarters in Jerusalem, Daniel 11. He will be in power for seven years, but will not be able to execute his devilish schemes until the last three and a half years of his reign. He will be engaged in a military campaign against his enemies when he meets his end at the hands of the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. He ultimately is cast into the lake of fire along with the false prophet and Satan himself. But he, he's thrown in the lake of fire a thousand years ahead of Satan. Satan is bound, but they're cast into the lake of fire. Let's apply these truths, and then I'll be glad to try to answer any questions you may have. History is not cyclical, but linear. I think you need to know that. Uh, certain views of history is, will just keep going in circles, going in circles. Now, Ecclesiastes says everything's repetitious, but there is a sense in prophetic truth that history is going somewhere. It's not just going around and around. We are headed by the calendar towards these prophetic events whenever God wants to unleash them to happen. But there is a linear view that the Bible gives of history. There's a coming kingdom. There's a coming day of the Lord. There's a coming man of sin. There's a coming uh, of Christ. There is the rapture. There's stuff we can know that's out there. And we're headed toward it. That's why he said in Romans... uh, uh, what's that one verse said? Uh, uh, he said, I'm closer than when I first believed. Uh, and he said, we're about to put Satan underfoot. I thought it was Romans 13. Maybe I'm wrong there. But the idea is we're much closer than when we began. The, the clock is ticking. So history is going somewhere. Uh, two, do not live in ignorance of what God is presently doing and will do in the future. Some make fun of us who are prophetic students and believe it. They make us stargazers. We're just standing around watching the stars and reading charts. Because we're just, we're just kind of an eccentric, idiotic kind of group that we think you can know the future. We don't think we can know the future. We think God's revealed the future. And we believe that revelation God has revealed that in the language we read, I tried to just look at the chapters before I read this stuff without a bunch of presuppositions. When you read that and say, who is this person? Have I ever met him? You mean, has he been in history? Is this Nero? Is this Caesar? Uh, Is this Hitler? Who is this guy that gets in the temple of God and declares himself as God? Have I seen that in my lifetime? Or is it yet to come? If it's yet to come, when? Day of the Lord. But when does the day of the Lord begin? I don't know. But Joel knows. Amos knows. Now, I'm not talking about Amos and Andy. I'm talking about the prophet Amos. 
uh, Isaiah knew. And he tells you of the darkness that will cover the earth and all the things that will happen in the day of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, it will shake you up when you see what's going to happen in the day of the Lord. I don't want to be there. If I have to be, I have to be. But I don't think I am, and I'm hoping I'm right. But if I'm not, I'll just probably die a martyr. And that's not too bad when you know Christ. You're going to die of something. Watch the nation of Israel. Watch for somebody to make a covenant with them. And if they make it and it's successful, get worried that those guys that think you get out of here ahead of time are wrong. Because we hope we won't see it. But you know what? The guy could be over there brokering the deal. But what starts that week for sure is this covenant he makes. And God knows the Middle East needs a covenant that would give them peace between the Palestinian world, Israel, and all of its uh, Arab neighbors. There's coming a time when Satan will have his man rule the earth and persecute God's people. Beware of loving this age or world system. It's headed for divine judgment. I read a verse with you in Second Peter, First Peter 3.15. The saints were suffering, and they were having to be told not to be afraid. And you know why he's telling them not to be afraid? They were afraid. Verse 14, do not fear what they fear. Let me pick it up in verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Well, I think in the early church, they could have busted out laughing. (laughs) There's plenty of people to be afraid of. A few of our brethren are getting killed. What should be afraid of when you want to do the right? Nobody can hurt you. You mean there's no arena where they throw them to the lions? Well, don't, don't worry. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Set him apart in that sacred high position in your heart. That he's treated as Lord, deity, God. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When suffering abounds, one of the astounding things about Christians is they've been able to declare their hope in the midst of hopeless situations. Because their hope was anchored on prophetic future truths. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Be able at all times to explain the basis for your hope. Why do you have hope about the future? Explain the blessed hope he's coming back for us. Explain the hope of the resurrection. Explain the hope that someday I'm going to be reigning with Christ. He says, I'm an heir and a co-heir. And he told me in Revelation, the overcomer shall help me rule over the nations. You don't believe? Did you know that in the future you get to judge angels? 1 Corinthians 6. Did you know that we'll be probably at the white throne judgment, but we'll be sitting on the throne with the judge? He's going to let us sit in on all the 
the judgments. I mean, just to think that you and I get to be on the judgment of demonic spirits. I don't know that he's going to judge good angels. I don't know that. But he is going to judge the bad. I can't imagine if someday we sit with Christ while he's handing out the sentence to Satan. But if he's a spirit being, some would say he's in the highest order. You may not call him an angel, but he's a spirit being. I just wonder if we get to set in when God sentences him and us see him. If he cries or screams as he's thrown into the lake of fire. But God has told his people, I'm going to put you as co-reigners with me. Tell people that are persecuting you and hurting you, I have a hope of future positions and future privileges that would bog down anyone's mind. That is my inheritance as a believer. It's an amazing thing to reign with Christ. I, I can't imagine sitting on a throne with Christ. Did you know he said that in a place? I'll just read this, then we'll take questions. Because you, you just think I'm rattling. I know you do. You don't think this stuff is true. You, you think, he just said he's having a spell. The lamps are getting to him. Uh, look at 321 of Revelation. To him who overcomes believers, true believers in these churches, I will give the right to sit with me where? Huh? Whose throne? You're going to sit with Christ on his throne? Is that what he says? And where is Christ now? Is Christ now on his throne? No, he's sitting on his father's throne. He hasn't got his yet. Do you see it in the verse? Because when I overcame, the Father shared his throne with me. But when I get my throne, and I think it's going to be the throne when he reigns over the nations on the earth, I'm going to join, let you join, because I told my apostles, hang out with me and don't bail out, and I'll let you rule over ten cities. I'll let you rule over this. I'm going to share the power with you when we reign over all the nations, and they have to pay me tribute as king of kings and lord of lords. I'll let you be in on the team. You'll be in my cabinet. And I know his wife is going to be with him. And I'm headed to be the wife of Christ. Because someday I won't be an engaged virgin. I'll be the bride of Christ. The ceremony is going to take place in the heavens. And the father is going to say the vows between the son and the bride. And we're going to say, I do. And the son says, I do, father. I make them my wife for eternity. Mind-blowing. I just wanted to escape hell. And he's given me all this other stuff. All this other stuff. Can you imagine getting to walk around the New Jerusalem and somebody ask you, what are you doing here? One of those Old Testament saints, don't mess, buddy, I'm the bride. I am the consort of the king of this place. But you were a drug addict. Oh, that was years ago. The cross took care of that. I've been promoted to the cabinet. How did you do that? I put faith in him and trusted him. And he promoted me in his cabinet. Can you imagine who's going to be on the cabinet of the king? Born again, saved sinners, promoted. So sanctify Christ in your heart as Lord. The song that was going over my mind was the old chorus. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He's Lord. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 
As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California The zip code is 94547 And that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 